Turn again, please, to Second Samuel chapter 23. 2 Samuel chapter 23. I want this morning to preach a message that I simply entitled, How Thirsty Are We for God? How thirsty are we for God? With the Word of God open, let's just still our hearts and ask the Lord now for His needed help. Second Samuel chapter 23. Our gracious God and loving Father, we thank Thee, Lord, for all that has went before. We thank Thee, Lord, for great hymns of truth. Lord, hymns revive Thy work. And Lord, Thy work needs revived. Shares of blessing, Lord. Oh, we thank Thee for the mercy drops, but we're longing for the shores. And Lord, we cry for Christian soldiers, Lord, that they be aroused and sent forth rallying, Lord, fighting for the great Christ of God. We thank Thee for tithes brought into the storehouses of God for the work and the witness here. Give wisdom in days to come how to use it for the glory of the Godhead. We thank Thee, Lord, for the reading of divine truth. But now, Lord, as we come to the central act of any worship service, the preaching of the old evangel, we cry now that Thou would fill us with the Holy Ghost. Lord, take away every thought of tomorrow, every, every distracting thought. Lord, of the cares of this life, we cry, O God, just that make this a little oasis in the desert and give us great help. And fill us with the Spirit of God. Lord, I take the promised power of Pentecost. I take the Holy Ghost and I thank Thee. He, the Holy Spirit, will undertake for me. Lord, give us help now to rightly divide the word of truth. In Jesus' name, amen. As I said, these are the last words of David. The first verse of 2 Samuel chapter 23, now these be the last words of David, David the son of Jesse. And in this passage of Scripture, David's words, they are coming to an end. And tonight in the Gospel, God has given me a word tonight in the Gospel of a man. We're going to focus on a, a man's words before he died. And I trust on, see a friend, that you'll come back again. And child of God, that you'll come back again. And you'll come and you'll lift the phone this afternoon and you'll ask your loved ones to come in. Because the last time I was here, here, in this pulpit, I was doing my bit to get people in under the sound of the gospel. And today, there were those that were asked in and I can tell you they wish they had a came. You do your bit tonight to... Ask those in and come again to hear the gospel. David's last words. And in this passage of Scripture, he gives a list of mighty men. Look at verse 8. It says, These be the names of the mighty men whom David had. There's a man by the name the same as Adino the Esnite. He lift up his spear against 800 whom he slew at one time. Verse 9, And after him was Elazar the son of Dodo the Ahohite, one of the three mighty men with David. 
He arose and smote the Philistines until his hand was weary and his hand clave unto the sword. Here's a man and he used a sword to defeat the enemies in his day and generation. He just cleaved to the sword. And then a woman, is that not the same in our day, in our generation? Do we not need a, a generation of men raised again? Yes, ladies too, of course, but we need a generation of men raised again. Men that know how to handle the sword. Men that know how to see the enemy routed and defeated by the handing of the sword. Then we think of one. Verse 11, after him was Shammah. Shammah was one who stood in a field of barley lentils. I'm sure he didn't look like much. Yet I drove past and seen this man on the way home in County Arman and looked across, say, Market Hill or coming into Rich Hill and, and the beautiful sunset and the lovely sun setting and, and trees in this field of barley lentils and here's old Shammah standing alone. And the enemy's coming after him. And the enemy's after the food, the word of God, and the enemy's still after it. And old Shammah, he stands alone. He's the last man standing. And he comes and he routes the enemies in his day and generation because they were after the food, the word of God. And then I'm thinking, not only of those three, I'm thinking of verse 20 of the same passage in Benaiah, the son of Jehoiada, the son of a valiant man of Kabzeel, who had done many acts. He slew two lion-like men of Moab. He went down also and slew a lion in the midst of a pit in the time of snow. Think about this. Here's Benaiah. Here's this man, Benaiah. And he slew an Egyptian. An Egyptian in the Bible speaks of the world. So he slew the world. And then it says, He slew two lion like men of Moab. Moab in the Bible speaks of the flesh. Here's this mighty man, Benaiah. He slew the world. He slew the flesh. Then look what it says. Two lion like men. Lion, what does that speak of? The devil, he slew the enemy. Here's a man, he knew what it was to slay the world, to slay the flesh, and to defeat the devil. I'll tell you, man and woman, could Margaret Hill not do with, a, with seats filled with men and women that know how to crucify themselves to the world, that know how to defeat the flesh in their lives, and that know how it is to defeat the devil. Look when he done it. Look what it says he slew him and down also into a pit in the time of snow. Ah, my mind was thinking, men and women, this morning of the Lord Jesus Christ. Remember the Lord Jesus Christ. He went to the worst of places. He went into the wilderness. The Spirit of God in Mark's Gospel tells me that the Spirit of God drives the Lord Jesus Christ into the wilderness. Here's Benaiah. He goes to the worst place. He's going into a pit. Ah, and Christ went into the wilderness. And then they go at the worst of times because Jesus Christ had fasted for 40 days. And here's this Benaiah. He comes at the worst of times for it's snow. It's snow. The ground's covered us in snow. The pit's full of snow. 
And then they have the worst, not only the worst of places and the worst of times, but the worst of enemies. Because there the Lord Jesus Christ is in with the wild beast and he's in with the enemy himself. And there's Beniah, he's in. And he's in the pit with two lion-like men. But thank God, Jesus Christ and this man, they knew victory. But it's not that what I'm after this morning. And, and the young person or older person took time this afternoon to go home and read Second Samuel chapter 23 and list the mighty men. And you'll, you'll, get, you'll get gems of, of truth in this passage. But it's not that what I'm here for this morning. It's this wee little passage of Scripture that we've read. How thirsty are we for God? I want to show you first of all this morning, David, David's hiding place. Look what it says in the verse number 13. It says in there, And three of the thirty chief went down and came to David in the harvest time unto the cave of Adullam, and the troop of the Philistines pitched in the valley of Rephaim. Here's this man, King David. He's in the cave of Adullam. Now this cave was familiar to David. You say, David, what do you mean? Well, turn with me, please, to 1 Samuel. 1 Samuel chapter 22. Just the, the previous book. 1 Samuel chapter 22. And when you're turning to 1 Samuel chapter 22, I'll give you a little brief cameo of what's happening to David. As David is in 1 Samuel chapter 22, he's been hunted by Saul. And the Bible says... As, as when one doth hunt a partridge in the mountains, David felt as if he was a partridge being hunted by Saul. And in 1 Samuel chapter 22, here's David in the same, same cave. Look what it says. David therefore departed thence and escaped to the cave Adullam. He escaped. He escaped from who? Saul. Saul's after his life. Saul's after him. And David thinks he's, he's just like a partridge and he's just being hunted from mountain to mountain. And here he is and he's in this cave. And then it goes on to say, And when his brethren and all his father's house heard it, they went down further to him and everyone that was in distress and everyone that was in debt and everyone that was discontented gathered themselves unto him. I'll tell you, men and women, what a place this was. Here was a cave of 400 men. There's men in this cave and everyone is in distress and everyone is in debt and everyone is discontented. It's just a picture of the unsaved. You're unsaved in this house this morning. Not converted. Not born again. Knowing nothing of forgiveness of sins. Can I say, sir... Or woman this morning, this meeting, if you're not saved, it doesn't matter what you've got in the bank account. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter what title deeds you have. In this key that day with David was men who were in debt. And if you're not saved this morning, you're in debt to God. Because sin is debt. And you're discontented. That's why there's more suicide in the United Kingdom than ever before. With all the pleasures of sin, with all the new gadgets and technology, there's more suicide today than ever. Why? Because sinners cannot be contented without the Lord Jesus Christ. 
That day in the cave, David's there. And the man that's with them, they're in debt and they're discontented. David's there that day. And it's so interesting that David's hiding from Saul. And yet the Bible tells me in 1 Samuel chapter 18 and, and the verse number 12, and Saul was afraid of David because the Lord was with him. But it doesn't tell me that Saul's in the cave. Saul looks upon David and he knows the Lord's with him. And yet David's hiding. And he's in a cave of many, many men. And there's death there and there's discontentment. And David's hiding. And then I was thinking, do you remember the time when David was only a wee shepherd's boy? How it all has turned around? You say, what do you mean? Do you remember the story? We all know that the boys and girls could come up here and tell me the story of David and Goliath. How many times did Goliath present themselves to the children of Israel? Morning after morning after morning, he presents himself to God's people. But no, no, no. We want nothing to do with that big giant, that big boy. No way. No way. Don't want nothing to do with him. No way. And the wee shepherd boy, he comes along and he says, is there not a cause? I want to tell you in Market Hill Free Presbyterian Church this morning on the 15th of October 2023, is there not a cause? There's a cause. And the men that hid themselves from the giant Goliath the wee shepherd's boy comes along and he presents himself and we know the story how that David, by the power and help of God, defeated Goliath. But it's all done full circle. Here he is. He's hiding. He's hiding. What about Gideon? Now Gideon wasn't hiding, but Gideon was hiding the food. What about Elijah? I read it this morning before he left the house. First Kings chapter 18. What a passage. He tells Baal, call upon your God. Come on. We'll take, a, we'll take the altar. We'll take a bullock. You have your bullock for your God, and I have mine for my God. Come on. The arena is set. The battle's drawn. Come on. Call upon your God. And then he comes and he tells him to pray. Go ye first. Come on, pray unto the God of Baal. Send forth fire. Then they come and they pray. There's no word. Lazar comes and he says, Is he sleeping? Wake him up. Is he sleeping? Wake him up. Is he in holiday? Bring him back. Then he comes and he says, Drench my altar. Drench it. Get the water and drench it. And then he brings the people of God back and he repairs the altar. And he comes and he cries upon the God of heaven. And the God of heaven comes 
and thank God God moves and God burns up the altar. But Elijah hides after that. He goes to an old juniper tree and he sits down and he's hiding and he wants his life to be taken. What about Jonah? Jonah, the only evangelist commissioned to go for souls and he didn't want them. And he goes into a boat and he goes down and he goes down and down and he's sleeping in the boat. And the old mariners, they come and they say, they come and they say to this man, why sleepest thou? We're going to perish and you're sleeping. I'll tell you, men and women, what an indictment this morning to the bride of Jesus Christ across this land and further afield while men and women die and perish and go to hell. Why sleepest thou? I tell you, we can sleep all right while men and women and boys and girls perish and go to hell. Can we? While God's word has said, hell from beneath has moved to meet thee at thy coming. These men were in hiding. Notice not only David's in hiding, but it's harvest time. Look what it says in Second Samuel chapter 23 and 13 and verse 14 it says, And David was in hold, and the garrison of the Philistines was in Bethlehem. And David longed and, and said, Oh, that one would give me drink of the water of the well of Bethlehem, which is by the gate. It's harvest time. In verse 13, and came to David in the chief harvest time. It's harvest time, a time when there should have been refreshing and blessing. And we all thank God. I'm sure you've heard it. Our harvest is the end of the month and yours has come and gone. But we all know the verse in Genesis 8 and 22. Why the earth remain of seed time and harvest and cold and heat and summer and winter and day and night shall not cease. We know that. And we thank God for all the, the, all the temporal blessings that God bestows upon us. We thank God for it. But man and woman this morning, what about the spiritual harvest? The spiritual harvest. Now I don't despise the day of small things. I don't. But we're saying it this morning, but for the showers we plead. Missions come and go. Mercy drops there are falling. Missions come and go. Man and woman, it wasn't that long ago in the land when there was missions. I remember Willie Mullen having a mission. I remember hearing about Mullen having a mission. And he stopped the mission after night three. Night three. And he said, what's going on? To the minister and to the elders, what's going on? Nobody's got saved. What's going on? 
And he took the minister and he took the elders and he took the session and he says, we need to sort this out. There's something going on that nobody's been saved. You see, he lived in a day and generation where he expected God to move and God to save. And what happened was there was a man at the back of the meeting and he was an elder, an elder or a committee man and he had sold land to the front, to the boy in the front and they hadn't, they'd dwindled and, they'd dwindled and fell out. And they never spoke and then they sat for a brave while and Mullen says, you can finish the mission yourselves if nobody's big enough to sort it out. And he says, it's me, Pastor Mullen, it's me. And he says, I sold land to that boy at the back. And he says, I done him. And the two of them embraced and sorted it out. And see, the next night there was eight souls saved. And Mullen went on to say it was one of the best gospel missions that he ever took part in. I want to tell you, man and woman, my own minister in Porkton told the story in the Ravenhill Church, Dr. Paisley, many, many years ago in the early days of the Free Presbyterian Church, God's people, yes, Free Presbyterians, not talking about the Baptists and Mullen now, I'm talking about our own denomination. And years ago in the Free Presbyterian Church in the early days in Paisley's ministry, when people weren't saved, they bowed their head and they walked and they said in the Sunday nights, why did God not save tonight? Is it me keeping it back? What's wrong? Why, was God not, why is God not saving? It's not the God now, is it? I want to tell you something, dear people. It's hard enough to get God's people back to church at night time. Never mind going out at night thinking, why is people not getting saved? Why is people not getting saved? It's harvest time, David. David, there should be a, a reaping, David. David, you're hiding, David. You're in the cave, David. David, there's a harvest. Why are you not reaping, David? Missions come and go. Sunday school comes and goes. Children's meeting comes and goes. Track distribution comes and goes. Gospel open air preaching comes and goes. And how much are we seeing God moving and God saving? Men and women, I stand here, and as you look upon me, all this sounds foreign to us. But it wasn't used to be that way. God's people used to say years ago in this denomination, who's next? I wonder who's getting saved tonight. Harvest time. Who's next? You see, man and woman, not only David's hiding and it's harvest time, but don't miss the next bit. There's a host against him. Look what it says, verse 14, And David was then on hold. And the garrison of the Philistines was then in Bethlehem. Turn with me, please, to the book of Genesis. Genesis chapter 26. Genesis chapter 26. Verse 15. 
For all the wells which his father's servants had digged in the days of Abraham his father, the Philistines had stopped them and filled them with earth. Now, the previous chapter in Genesis chapter 25 and verse 7, verse 8 says, Then Abraham gave up the ghost. So Abraham's died and buried. And the next chapter it says, For all the wells which his father's servants had digged in the days of him, his father the Philistines had stopped them and filled them with earth. It didn't take too long that Abraham was gone and buried that the enemy came in and started to fill the old wells. <laughs> Boys, the enemy was on the watch. I wouldn't have thought there was Facebook back then. Social media back then to say that the father of the faithful is dead. I'm sure it wasn't in the obituary column in the newsletter. I'm sure it wasn't. But boys, the enemy watched. And they seen that old Abraham, he's gone. And they got themselves together and they said, boys, know what we'll do now? Do you see all what Abraham dug up? We're going to fill in. And the enemy soon exploited the death of Abraham and they started to fill the wells again. And can I want to tell you this morning, does it not sound familiar to the day that you and I are in? The generation that God has called you and I to, the kingdom for such a time as this. The enemy, man and woman, has come into this land like the flood. The enemy's in. And I want to tell you the wells is well filled up with earth this morning. And the Philistines has filled them up. And the Philistines in Abraham's day, they haven't gone away, you know. They're still here. And they're anti-God. And today we live in a day and generation where men are anti-God, anti-gospel, anti-grace. Agnostics, skeptics, scientists, modernists. They're all in. And they have no time. And they have no desire for God. And they don't want God. No wonder the psalmist said in Psalm 11 and 3, If the foundations be destroyed, what can the righteous do? Men and women, just as there was a host against David. And don't miss me. David there, he's longing and he's looking at the well in Bethlehem. And he's longing and he's looking and he's looking at that well. And he wants water. But he sees the enemies in like the flood. And the enemies in today. You think this morning, across Ulster, the LGBT. You think of the mayhem and the misery because of that. Now, if I had been here 20 years ago and said to you that Ulster in 2023 in October, chapter 5, on October 15th, that sin would be paraded and promoted, and the LGBT would be the voice in the land, and everybody moves down to them and bows down to them, I want to tell you, you would have said, no, David, it's not, it's not going to be in, it's not going to be as bad as that. I want to tell you it's in, and abortion is rife. And you think this morning about our schools and our children under attack, the filth that they want to teach the school children this morning. I'll tell you, the enemy's in. There's a host against us. A host. And I'll tell you, men and women, 
David, he's longing for a breath of God. He's longing for the water. And what's more sad, not only is the enemy in like the flood, but it's more sad that men and women, Vance Havner said, men and women are going to hell fire because the church has lost holy ghost fire. Men and women are going to hell fire because the church has lost Holy Ghost fire. You see, David, he's hiding. David, it's harvest time. David, there's a host against you. And then the next point it says in verse 14, and David was then on hold. He's hiding. There's a host against him. It's harvest time, and don't miss it. He's on hold. Notice the sequence. He's on hold. You ever think David sat in that cave, in the darkness of that cave at night, and thought, it didn't used to be like this? You ever think David was reminiscent of the day and hour? We spoke about it briefly as he took that sling and he took the stones and one stone was big enough and good enough to defeat old Goliath. And the enemy was routed and defeated. You ever think David was reminiscent of past days and victories and power by the hand of Almighty God? He's on hold. Nothing's happening. Nothing's happening. Sound familiar? Sound familiar in the bride of Jesus Christ? Remember Gideon? You wouldn't have bluffed Gideon. Imagine Gideon had him in a free Presbyterian elder sitting at Presbyterian. Oh, brother, it's not too bad. We still believe in head covering and we still hold an authorized version. Can you hear Gideon? Gideon says in Judges 6 and 13, and Gideon said, O my Lord, if the Lord be with us, why then is this all befallen us? And where be all his miracles which his father told us of? And I'm not against head covering and I'm not against authorized version. Thank God for them. But Gideon comes and he says, where's the miracles? Where's the days of power? Where's the days where God's moving and God's saving? He's in hold. But like Nehemiah. Remember Nehemiah, he comes and he looks at the walls and he, and he views the walls and there's, there's a burning of the walls and the gates are in fire and there's mayhem and misery and it's just a picture of what sin does and the enemy's in like the flood. And I don't know how many Christians in Nehemiah's day that had viewed the walls and walked past the walls, but they weren't that concerned. But Nehemiah was. And Nehemiah weeps and Nehemiah cries and Nehemiah fasts and Nehemiah repents and God uses such a man to rebuild the walls. 
And you see, this man, he's hiding. And it's harvest time. And there's a host against him. And he's in hold. But it all changes, men and women. It all changes. In verse number 15, And David longed. David longed and said, Oh! He comes and he says, Oh, that one would give me drink of the water of the well of Bethlehem. He comes and he's a longing in his heart to see God move. God change the spiritual landscape. And I was thinking, men and women, David had this, oh, and you think of what Jeremiah, I'll quickly, don't turn to him the sake of time, but Jeremiah comes and Jeremiah says in, in verse chapter 9 and verse 1, Oh, that my heads were waters and my eyes a fountain of tears that I might weep day and night for the slain of the daughter of my people. No wonder Jeremiah is known as the weeping prophet. He comes and he says, Oh, that my head, oh, that my tears would run down for my people. And then what does Isaiah say in Isaiah 64 and verse 1? Oh, that thou wouldest rend the heavens, that thou wouldest come down. Remember Jabez in First Chronicles, he comes and he says in First Chronicles chapter 4, I believe it is, Jabez called in the name of God saying, Oh, that thou wouldest bless me. Here's men, and they had the holy oath. And one was, look, one, one was looking personal. Oh, that thou wouldest bless me. And Jeremiah, he's looking for a, a, a local revival. He comes and he says, Oh, the daughter of my people. And then Isaiah, he's looking national revival. He comes and he says, Oh, that God would come down. Man and woman, how far off it are we? Honestly. You think God hasn't searched out my heart? God deals with the preacher before you get the word. How far are we off it? Our lives are so busy. And God is squashed into the side. Oh, that thou wouldest bless me. Oh, that thou would save my people. Oh, that thou wouldest come down. David, he longs for the water. Can I tell you, man and woman, we should be longing for the water. The water of the Word, the word, the water of the Holy Ghost, the water of the wells of salvation because the land is dry. The land is thirsty. The land this morning is bankrupt. The land this morning is barren and broken. We need the walls. We need the wells of the water. We need, we need the water of the Word. We need the water of the Holy Ghost. We need the water of the wells of salvation to come. I just wondered, when David sat and he realized that the Lord Jesus Christ would be born, in Bethlehem. As he looked at that gate, I just wondered, 
It was David's mind taken to his greater son, the Lord Jesus Christ. That one day he was going to come and he was going to cry, I thirst. You see, men and women, David's mighty men, they done it. Do you know why they done it? Because of the example that David had. David went to the enemy and defeated Goliath and his three mighty men, they come and they take the battle to the gate. You remember men used to pray that in prayer meetings many years ago in the denomination. I, all night prayer meetings, where would you get them again at in the Free Presbyterian Church? Where are they at? Where men used to take the battle to the gate. And David's three men, they go to the gate. And they break through. And they get the water. And they bring the water back to David. And you know what David says? David comes and he says in verse 17, the blood of the men that went in jeopardy of their lives. You know what it was, men and women, and I'm nearly done. You know what it was? These men risked their lives for David. Not many of us serve in the Lord Jesus Christ like that. Life or death. Life or death. And they come. And they bring the water to David. And you think, three men, put it in the spiritual. These three men, they come and they bring the water to David and he pours it out. He uses it as an offering to God. And you think of David's greater son, the Lord Jesus Christ, as he goes to the place called Calvary. Man, I will never forget it. The three, the triune gods all involved. The Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And Jesus Christ, the Bible says in Isaiah 53 and 12, he poured out his soul unto death. Paul said in Ephesians 5 and 2, and walk in love as Christ also loved us and given himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling savour. David's three mighty men, they come and they break through and they do such a work and David comes and he pours it out, an offering unto God. And I want to tell you, child of God, this morning, Jesus Christ went to Calvary for you. For you. He took the spittle for you. He took the mockery for you. He took it all for you. And he was punished and judged for you. And he pours out his soul unto death for you. And he dies for you and he rises again for you. And for me. Now this morning in light of his word. How thirsty are we for God? It's harvest time. David was hiding. 
he was on hold. There's a host against him. The answer? The longing for the water. Have we such a longing? I trust that God will give it us for his name's sake and for his eternal glory. Let's bow in a word of prayer, please. Our gracious God and Father in heaven, we thank thee so much for these men that went to the, the gate, Lord, and they broke through, and they risked their lives for an earthly king. And what a battle was won. And yet we thank thee so much more for the one who went outside the gate and bled and died for us guilty, hell-deserving sinners. And thou hast done all this for us, and what have we done for thee? The Lord, give us a thirst for God. Give us a panting after God. Give us a desire to serve God in our day and generation just as David did. I pray, Lord, that thou would write this word in our hearts that will not sin against thee and thou would sanctify us through thy truth. For thy word is truth. Lord, please, please bring in the unsaved tonight. Bring God's people back. Give us a blessed Lord's day in thy house and for thy glory. Part us now with thy fear and thy blessing. In Jesus' name, amen.